You're listening to The Real Well Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. We spend a lot of time talking about how to build wealth through real estate, but protecting that wealth is just as important. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Well Show. Today, we're going to get some great tips from my asset protection attorney on certain changes in tax law that could affect your real estate portfolio. This is not going to be an introduction to asset protection. You can get that in a webinar that we just did at Real Wealth. That's free for you. Just go to realwealthshow.com, log in or join, and click on the Learn tab. We'll go over all the basics of asset protection. But on today's show, Clint Coons of Anderson Business Advisors is joining us again to give us an update on what's going on out there what kind of lawsuits he's seeing, and how we can protect ourselves. He's a great resource because he's acquired over 200 properties and can speak as an investor and an attorney. So Clint, welcome back to The Real Wealth Show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always good to find out how we can protect ourselves better. I was just on an interview where uh, kind of an interesting story, but uh, a tenant had posted on social media that they had kind of played a trick on their roommate and put uh, saran wrap on the toilet. <laughs> so anyway, it clogged the toilet and overflowed and caused all this damage. And the landlord was able to say, you posted this on social media. <laughs> I kind hey, of think idiot. It might. But anyway, uh, I, I'm not sure how far they they got with getting um, you know getting anywhere, but one thing that is interesting is that landlords can kind of find out who their tenants are. I mean, landlords obviously know who their tenants are, but the tenants can find out who the landlords are, and look stuff up, up on social. And and we're this actually came up today on the interview uh, where there's podcasters who you know, they're doing their podcast, they're on, uh, they're, they're doing their YouTube channels and the tenants find out and start to make comments on social media. <laughs> so it's a very different world out there. Um, totally is. what would you say about that? Just that, you know, keeping yourself anonymous and not maybe being so public about owning properties or where you own them. Well, I mean, if you own them the right way, they're not going to know because most of them are handled by a PM out of state that's going to manage the real estate. So they're not going to be able to tie it back to you if you set up this proper structure. I mean, I always share how many properties I own. You know, say I own over 250 properties and I own a whole bunch in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. But if I tell you that, it doesn't mean that you can tie them back to me. My tenants don't know that I'm the owner because the way I structure my acquisitions is through a, an LLC that is not associated in any shape or form to me personally, because I use a holding company to own those uh, limited liability companies I'm setting up in North Carolina. So you're right. I mean, that's the problem we have now with social media, that if you have a disgruntled tenant and they want to get back at you, just go on and assassinate the person's character all over the internet. And you know, say they're a slumlord and you shouldn't rent from this person. And the problem is you don't have any recourse. I mean, your recourse to try to get those things taken down, it's so difficult. So for example, Trustpilot, those other review sites, they won't accept your word for it most of the time and absent going to court to get a court order. And I'm saying that because 
it's funny you brought that up. Over the last two, two and a half, three years, we've spent over $750,000 in attorney's fees. So I'm intimately aware of what someone can do to you and how expensive it is to fight it. Before we got on, we were talking about uh, some lawsuits, and it's, I think it's important for our audience to know what kinds of lawsuits are out there. I don't hear about them very much until I talk to you, and then I get a mm -hmm. little bit nervous, but then I remember that you've also set up my asset protection, so... <laughs> so hopefully it works, right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully it works. Uh, but sometimes uh, when there's lawsuits, we found from a business perspective, you just settle, you know, just you've got to look at things from a business perspective and it might be cheaper to settle. I, I don't know, but there's still ways to avoid these lawsuits. And that is uh, making it really difficult for people to find you or even sue you if, if it's a complicated structure. So what are some of the more recent issues that you've seen, uh, different lawsuits that you've seen out there recently? Sure. Now, before, before I touch on that, I just want to say what you just brought up about settling, that's the purpose of having a great asset protection plan. Number one, you want to make it look like you're not worth suing because there's nothing to recover against. And if they do decide to sue you because you appear to not own anything or just own that one asset, then the plaintiff would be more willing to settle, hopefully for policy limits, which is, is the strategy, right? If you're going to sue me, you, do, you know by performing your asset search that I have nothing else besides this one asset. So I can argue, hey, take my policy limits and let's settle. Because if you continue to fight, I'm just going to spend that policy down. So if there's 250,000 available today, two years from now, with the way my attorneys bill me, there's only going to be 125. So even if you are successful, you realize you've just blown half that policy because you're unwilling to settle. So there's a there's a strategy in this type of planning uh, to to force the other side to see reason and, and settle for your insurance, which is essentially why you you have the insurance. That's what you want them to do. So. Sorry, I, I kind of want to feel on you there, but it plays into the cases. You said, you know, what's been recently, what has it, what has occurred? Well, I can tell you one of our clients recently, they had a self-directed IRA, and, and I know you know all about this. You have people that invest and they use their IRA money to buy real estate. And many times people don't appreciate the risk when you're owning real estate through your IRA because they've heard, well, IRAs are protected. Well, the the reality of the situation is your IRA is protected from claims brought against you in a 40 states. There's about 10 states where they don't even protect it. You live in one of the states where an IRA isn't protected, unfortunately. But they don't realize that the lawsuits can happen on the inside. And, and so just because we use, LL, we use LLCs on the outside to protect our real estate, you should use that same methodology in protecting real estate you purchase through an IRA. And unfortunately for one of our clients, he's a titanium client and he can set up as many LLCs as he desires. There's no additional fees. It's just the state fee. All he used to do is call me up and we draft the LLCs for him. We protected all of his real estate on the outside. But he didn't think about doing it on the inside with that IRA and slip mm. and fall on the property, get served with the lawsuit, sends it over to me and he says, what do I do? You better settle because you have six properties in it. So it can happen. Wow. And that's where I think a lot of real estate <clears throat> investors miss that aspect of planning. Wow. I, I, again, I'll just share something that I think is, is kind of funny, but not funny mm -hmm. at all. Uh, somebody sued us years ago, not that long ago, but because the, the rents didn't come in as high as, 
as they thought they would. Yep. Uh, so we've, of course, changed everything. And everything we says is we, everything we say now is projected rents and estimated and no guarantees. But at the time, I think the uh, the broker had said, no, it's going to come in at this amount of rent, even though when we did read the emails, <laughs> he, had, he had estimated it. So anyway. You, we got sued and people can sue you no matter what, even if you are completely innocent, which we were. Uh, and, and they were just upset that the rents didn't come in um, the way they wanted them. They were a little bit lower. So, you know, $100,000 later, just trying to defend ourselves. And they spent at least that much trying to attack us. Um, you know, our, our attorney said, just settle, just settle. Mm-hmm. And oh, how much? And they wanted a ridiculous amount, like half a million dollars. The property they bought was 200,000 or something. And, yeah, the, right. and the amount of loss they had was maybe a hundred a month. You know, it was, it was ridiculous. It was just ridiculous. So I just said, I just looked at the property and I thought this is a pretty good property. I'm just going to buy the property back for, for what they, what they paid. And they agreed to that. Um, so they really lost out because they spent all a hundred thousand dollars on, on, uh, you know, on the legal fees. And so did we, um, just a few years later now, uh, I've looked at the property and it has doubled in value. Plus we've made all the cash flow from it. So it was, it was actually a great deal for us. We've made all of our money back plus some, and I kind of just look at them and go, man, all you did was lose a hundred thousand dollars trying to sue us for it. But again, in that situation, it just made more sense to settle and mm-hmm. in this case, it was a, a good investment for us. But, you know, be careful out there. People can see you for anything. Um, I do have a question about that. Many people buy their properties in their name because they're getting loans on them and they do that in their, you know, personal name. And then they put the property title into an LLC. When there's a title search, does it show that the property was originally um, purchased in the in their personal name, or does just the LLC? I mean, can they still find you? I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, you're always going to be in the chain of title, and yes. I'm going to give you a strategy here. This is so. This is when you're going to do that, and you're going to transfer real estate into a limited liability company. You're always going to be in the chain of title. And when people search, they're going to look for who is the current holder of title. And, the, and if they see an LLC, there's going to be an assumption made that you sold that property to the LLC. Now, they could always go back and search a different way and try to find who's on title of the debt, the mortgage, and see your name associated there. And that could clue them in. But here's the mistake that a lot of people make when they do this on their own. That is when they set up their own LLC and they look to transfer their real estate into their limited liability company. And they're thinking, all right, I'm going to get out of my name. No one's going to know if they look, they won't see me listed as the owner anymore. They use a quit claim deed to transfer because Mm -hmm. quit claim deeds have become synonymous with real estate transfers. And if you go to a REA meeting, you'll hear people always talk about, oh, just quit claim the property over your LLC. No, you don't do that Mm. because any person, well, I'm assuming any confident attorney looking, if I saw that you quit claimed a property from your name to a limited liability company, I'd say, oh, that's her LLC. Even if mm. your name's not even on it. Why is that? Because no good faith purchaser for value would ever accept that form of deed from an individual in a purchase and sale transaction. 
If you said, hey, I want to sell you this property on 14th Street, I'm only going to give you a quit claim deed. I'm not going to give you a warranty deed. Be like, hell no, I'm not buying that because how do I know you even own the property? And title wouldn't even insure that type of deal. So you know that whenever someone's using that deed form, that type of deed to transfer real estate to their LLC, that they own the LLC because no person investor would ever accept that if they were buying it from another from a third party. So that is the mistake that a lot of people make when they try to do this on their own. They use the wrong types of documentation. Yeah, it gets it done, but it leaves a wide open path to, yeah, who's really behind this. Mm, that's great advice. Okay, what else? Are there any new laws coming down the pike that we should know about? Or um... Corporate Transparency Act. They just um, okay. they released proposed regs on the uh, CTA. So last year, they passed a law that stated that all business and any entity that is filed anywhere with, uh, with a state, with an Indian reservation, it doesn't matter. Any entity has to register. You're now going to have to disclose to FinCEN the members of that company. So you have to send in the information. Who's a member? So you have to not only provide their name, their address, their social security number, and a uh, driver, copy of a driver's license or passport as well to establish their identity. So all those individuals, people who exercise management control will also have to be um, sent to the federal government. Now they haven't, they just finalized the proposed regs. They took comments on them. Those comments ended in January. They'll have the final regs out this year and the processes for submitting this information later in the year, but it's gonna be a requirement going forwards that uh, any person that owns a corporation or any type of business entity will have to disclose on an annual basis their ownership to uh, the federal government. Wow. So that's new. Okay. What so, else? What else are you seeing out there that people need to be aware of? Um, so this goes back to setting up operating agreements. So there's this recent case that came out of Utah. And what happened was this individual, he had sold a bakery to uh, one of the, the major players out there, like a Pillsbury or something like that, that he owned in Utah. And he took all the money he received and he set up a Nevada limited liability company and stashed all this money in the Nevada LLC, put a house in there and a bunch of other assets. So he had this LLC with like $12 million. He owned 48%, his wife owned 48%, and he had his four kids and gave them each 1% interest. Now, as part of that sale, they, he agreed not to go into competition. He would not open up another bakery for X amount of years. Well, he just couldn't help himself. He went out there and he opened up another bakery and he started <laughs> baking bread and selling it in Utah. And of course, the company at that time, you know, sued him. And, you know, they have unlimited resources. And so they crushed him and they got a judgment against him for $4 million. Oh. Well, he said, I got no assets. You know, all I, uh, you got nothing to go after. Well, they saw that he had, he had to disclose or, or that he had this membership interest in a limited liability company that was a Nevada LLC. So they put a charging order on it. And this is why we create LLCs, so that if we have assets inside of them, like if I had a Wyoming LLC owning a bunch of real estate LLCs and I got sued personally, they couldn't take those LLCs from me. They couldn't get up into there. With a charging order, the only thing the creditor is entitled to is any money you take out as a distribution. So if you're not taking any money out, your creditor's not getting paid. So it goes back to what we started with. 
This is how you force someone to the settlement table to agree to settle your claim and, and you guys go your separate ways and you don't lose all your assets. Well, what happened here is that he's not making any payments. And then he decides to move to have that charging order quashed and stating, hey, I don't even own an interest in this LLC, so it should have never been entered against me in the first place. Well, of course, the company defends, and they said, how is that? And he said, I transferred my LLC interest a year before you got the charging order. So they said, let me see a copy of your transfer document. So he produces this transfer document. They look at it, and they said, this is no good. He goes, what are you talking about? I transferred my interest. They said, yes, but your operating agreement states you have to go through steps one, two, three, four, five, and six. You only went through step one and two. And so they disallowed or disavowed the transfer. So they said, yeah, you're still the member. And then they went after his LLC and they tried to foreclose on it and ignore the, or the charging order altogether so they could take the assets out. And they were successful. And the way they were successful is that over the years, he'd been distributing money to his wife and he wasn't taking any money himself. And he was distributing assets to the kids and he wasn't taking any money himself. So he wouldn't have to pay his creditors. Well, those types of distribution, or when you, when you have an LLC, you can specify how assets are to be distributed. Pro rata, which means equal to everyone based upon their ownership percentages, or non-pro rata, which means you can give some to this person. If, even if they were 50-50, I can give all the income to individual A and I don't have to take anything because that's what non-pro rata means. You don't have to make it equal. Well, they looked at it. They said, your operating agreement states you have to make equal distributions to all the partners and you haven't been doing it. Therefore, you have yeah. deemed distributions of $2.7 million that you never took. And they just took it from there and they snowballed it and they broke his LLC. So what you yeah. take away from this is that when you're setting up a limited liability company, people assume that if I grab this operating agreement, that's all I need, I'm gonna be protected in the worst case scenario. And so many individuals don't understand what's in that operating agreement. In fact, a couple, a uh, year and a half or two years ago, I put you know, the eight mistakes that most people make in drafting their LLC operating agreements. I put a video together on that. And here they are, they violated, I think it was mistake one and three and putting their operating agreement together. They didn't even know what was inside of it. And so as a result of that, it gave the court an ability or the plaintiff the ability to pierce it. And so when you're drafting these things, you really wanna work with someone who understands this and is gonna put it together. So if you ever find yourself in that situation, you're not gonna be left holding the bag and, and it's gonna crumble down around your ears like it happened with this individual. Yeah, the average person would just have no idea uh, what to elect in, in an LLC. And it's just so easy to go and and form one online and think you know what you're doing. Correct. And, yeah. and so many people propagate that misinformation. It's, oh, it's just an LLC and it doesn't matter. It's easy to say that until you're involved in a lawsuit. <laughs> right, until <Right>? it matters. <laughs> until it matters. Then you find out how good it really is. Well, yeah. what do you think? And I don't, I don't know if you can speak to this, but I bet you can. Um, so many people are investing in syndications. Syndications are, uh, you know, just to explain it, when one person finds a deal, brings in other investors, um, usually that's held in an LLC and the investors come in and own um, member units and that basically shares in that LLC. Uh, can they ever be held liable, the investors? Mm -hmm. If, if uh, no, the investors can't be held liable for what happens with the LLC, mm -hmm. but the reverse is, using my example again, let's say that this individual 
uh, owned an interest in a syndication, maybe he had an interest in your syndication, and then he gets sued, what his creditor would have done then is notified the syndication, hey, this person owes us a million dollars, we're serving you with a charging order to let you know that any distributions that you would be making to individual A should now be paid over to this company over here that holds uh, this judgment against him. Mm. So it can tie up the syndicator and make them have to readjust who they're making their payments to. Otherwise, they can be held in contempt and they can be sued uh, by the creditor if they make the distributions to the member and they don't abide by that charging order. So oftentimes I will advise people who are holding an interest in a syndication, let's see, listen, own your interest through a, a, a Wyoming LLC or some type of limited liability company. So if you get sued, it doesn't mess with your cash flow from that syndication. I was just going to ask you about that. Most people just invest with their own name or if they're investing with an IRA through their, through the IRA, but mm -hmm. it's not very common. Well, you know, it depends, but that people invest with an LLC into a syndication into another LLC, but you do yeah. recommend that. I do recommend that. And, and part of the um, problem for, for some investors in making that leap is that the sponsor of the syndication is not aware of the accreditation rules and how they work. And they, and they don't, get that when you set up an LLC, it's disregarded back to the individuals as long as it's disregarded LLC. I think even a partnership, it works. So if I'm an accredited investor, I can still hold that through a limited liability company. That can come in because you, you, you do the accreditation on me on behalf of my LLC. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, well, you just did, a, well, your company just did a webinar with, um, with our group at Real Wealth. And it's, full of information. We only have 20 minutes here and we're out of time, but if anybody wants to learn more and you should, you should, this is, you spend all your time investing and building wealth. You need to also spend time protecting that. Uh, so that webinar is free on our website at realwealth.com. Um, you, you just, if you're already a member, you just look under um, recent webinars. And if you're new, then you will just sign up. It's free and you can get access to that uh, asset protection webinar. And you've got a bunch of other ones that you've done as well, but that's the most recent. I like the recent ones just in case there's yeah. any changes um, and, and people can get access to that again for free. Um, usually it goes over an hour <laughs> because you guys have so much information, but it's packed full. And then from there, um, I know uh, we'll be keeping in touch with you because you also will come back to Real Wealth and do full day seminars. Mm -hmm. We haven't done that. We haven't had any live events for a couple of years, but yeah, we're, we're looking time. at doing it again. So uh, we look forward to that because always that's always been a popular event too. They get one hour of you and then they want, you know, a full weekend. So yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, Clint. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on The Real Wealth Show. And I really look forward to seeing you actually in Denver at the Best Ever Conference. Yeah, It'll likewise. Great. All right, thank All right. you. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. Again, I really recommend that you go to realwealthshow.com. Join if you haven't already or log in and look for the webinar that Clint just did. It's, it's just so informative on how you can protect yourself. A lot of us think that we're doing it right, but it's the little things that we, we may not have thought about that can really make all the difference. So again, go to realwealthshow.com and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. The 
views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.